You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is Black Hollywood Live. Justice is served. Featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is served. Hello and welcome to today's first edition of Justices Served in 2016. Welcome back. We have missed you. I know I certainly yes, have. Yes, we I have. missed my yeah. co-host <laughs> Shaka and BJ. Thanks for joining us today. We've got a lot to talk about because we were off for like a week or two, so we've got some things to catch you up on and tell you about some new things that are just happening. My name is Chelsea Galicia. I'm a local LA workers' comp attorney. I am joined here by BJ Abron, who is a recent, uh, not law, law recent graduate. law school graduate and Admiracy. passed the. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Recently admitted to the bar. Congratulations still. And uh, also Shaka Smith, who has uh, also an attorney who has experience in natural gas, healthcare law, public defender, and is now pursuing acting and fitness modeling. And BJ has experience in BET legal and business affairs and a public defender, right? All right. And I'm just a workers' comp attorney. All right. So let's get into the good stuff here. Uh, Well, I wish this was good stuff here. This first one, Tamir Rice. Uh, He was a 12-year-old boy in Cleveland who was playing with a toy gun uh, in front of a recreation center when cops pulled up and two seconds later shot him dead. This was almost a year ago. It was a a long time ago. And we had just waited and waited and waited to see if there were going to be any charges for either of the officers involved. And we learned over the break that no, no charges will be forthcoming. How did we get here? Um, yeah, I think it's disturbing, but the grand jury decided uh, not to indict. So, right. Well, the prosecutor made it clear that he did not want to pursue it, and mm-hmm. so he, obviously the prosecutor is very highly influential to the grand jury. Extremely yeah, I believe there was some... Um, Someone, some talk of the grand jury not knowing the prosecutor took that stance, but the prosecutor is so involved in how the grand jury is looking at information. I think that definitely influenced um, their decision. I mean, it's, pri- it's primarily it is the only yeah. voice in a grand jury yeah. hearing is the prosecutor's yeah. work. So now the family is left to try and you know seek justice through civil remedies. Uh, I, I think they have a very great case for civil remedies, but people are really pissed that there will be no accountability uh, for criminal charges here. Uh, Do you think that the grand jury got it right? Well, I mean, we're looking at an epidemic here. So I think when you you look at one specific case, um, that's one thing. Uh, but when you talk about the people's, uh, their emotions and how they feel about this, it's really not just this situation. It's a trickle-down effect of a, of a, of a plague of incidents that have uh, happened in our community. And so statistics have, have clearly shown, and one of the things that I read was that since 2002, Cleveland police officers have killed 10 people. And of those 10 people, seven of them, excuse me, uh, of all of those people, all of them were black. Now, seven of them were unarmed. And so when, when you look at the Tamir Rice situation, of course you want to see a prosecution, right? 
Uh, but it's just, it's not just that. It's beyond the individual at this point. So people were banking that justice for Tamir would encompass some kind of justice for the others who have died, who we don't have video of. People are looking for change. And I think it's important to note that grand juries are different than trials. You say the word grand jury, right. it sounds so official that people think, well, everything must have been vetted. But um, when you look at your rules of evidence, you, you're not getting a chance to see a lot of the evidence that would come forth in trial. And so, of course, I think here the grand jury got it wrong. Whether the officer should be convicted or not is definitely a question that a jury should see with the full, full rules of evidence behind them so they get to look at everything that surround, surrounded the situation. So to me, the part that was flabbergasting about this is that, um, on the one hand, I understand this kid had a gun. And first of all, the kid, who was 12 years old, was 5'7 and weighed... I can't recall, I'm going to say, estimate like 150 pounds. So uh, he was assumed to be an adult because the dispatcher did not tell the officers that this was a kid because the person who had called in to alert officers that there was somebody with a gun said, this is probably a kid and it looks like he's playing with a gun. A toy gun. He said it might be a toy gun. He wasn't sure. Yeah, Yeah, but that's vital information that has to be transmitted to the police. So was the prosecutor correct in saying that this was just a perfect storm of misunderstanding and miscommunication and not I can't say that. Criminal? um, It can kind of go either way, honestly. In this particular situation, yes, he had a gun. And when you arrive at a scene and you're a police officer, um, without that information, you just see a person with a gun, right? Well, I would understand the fear that somebody would have. However, Ohio is an open carry state. So if that was a real gun and he was a real adult, not a child, he would not have been doing anything illegal. He wasn't pointing it at anybody. I think for me, I got more... I mean, the shooting itself, when I heard the initial circumstances, I actually was... It sounded like, okay, this might be a legit um, sort of um, situation. It was the cops changing their stories about Tamir Rice and what they saw and what was... um, at the scene, yeah. that really changed the game for me. And having them say that he was hanging out with a group of people, and that they he had ample time to turn around, they told him to put the gun down. And you see the video, and they go, they roll up, and they shoot, and it's they over. They shot this kid in two seconds, yeah. and there was no one around that where you could actually claim an imminent threat to anyone else. And so having the officers conflict themselves is what really gave a big red flag. Right. To when me. one said, "Well, he was reaching for waistband yeah. to like pull the gun out," but. How, how has that happened in yeah. two seconds? And they seconds? said repeatedly they asked him to put, you know, to, to put his hands up to drop the gun. And but he where never was the time for that? Never, never saw it on the tape, so. Yeah, so this is uh, really frustrating. And, uh, I, I mean, my heart goes out to Tamir Rice's family. And uh, I, I think it's cool that I saw some, and I wish I was more versed in this, some athletes who play for Ohio or Cleveland teams right. were showing their solidarity with the family. Uh, I... I'm sorry to say justice was not served in this case, we don't think. But hopefully, civilly, there will be something. Um, Let's move on to Bill Cosby, who I was shocked when I found out that he had been arrested for sexual misconduct. Uh, This goes back to Andrea Constant, who was a Temple University employee that uh, alleged she had been given some kind of medication, mm-hmm. and that he raped her. Uh, I, yeah, I believe, well, with, I think, digitally. Yeah, so she came forward to the police. And, and what does digitally actually mean? When you say digitally raped. Oh, fingers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So Glad to clarify that for you. So she came forward about a year later to police. Police did not do anything with it. But now that the deposition testimony came out where he admitted to giving her something and then engaging in these acts with her, then they looked at it again and then they had to file it file charges quickly because the statute of limitations yeah. and they have like what two weeks or two months was left about yeah. to run out yes so right around christmas uh he was arrested and posted bail it was like a million dollars he had to post a hundred thousand dollars what do you think the chances are of a conviction well i mean i i would say finally what i kind of said when i read this story it was like finally an arrest finally we'll at least hear more information um maybe more of his side as well um, I, I think it's a good thing. I think just to continue to, uh, in my personal opinion, I think um, Bill Cosby caused some harm here, so I'm, I'm glad to see some sort of justice happening. But I do want to hear more of it in case some there is some sort of explanation that makes all this correct. You know, well, I what do you think about him and his attorneys coming out and saying this was just politically motivated? That the DA who recently ran in that county used this as their platform. Does that make it? Does that take out the validity of these charges? I don't see how that's like a no. The, I mean, the weight of the charges are is so there's so many women. I it's mean, a lot. It's, it's a lot. So yeah. So, but in this case, he was only charged with the one. One. Yeah. So it's as much as we'd like for this one case to represent all of them. It really doesn't. It just represents the one. And I think that's at least my concern for Bill Cosby on his side because you're looking at this one particular charge, and I have a feeling it's going to be as if he's being on trial for. For all, all these of women. them. Well, so, that was yeah. one of the interesting things that I was reading about. Um, another legal analyst, Jeffrey Tubin, wrote a, an article about that the issue in this case will come down to whether those other women's stories will be allowed in. And in law school, we learn uh, in, in evidence, character evidence, but also prior bad acts. Sure. So yeah. I guess to explain it very simply... If I, you know, am accusing Shaka of stealing my cell phone and I go out and I find other people who say Shaka stole their cell phone, is that evidence allowed in? Sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. Now, if I say, if I had rounded up other people that had uh, (coughs) said Shaka stole their lollipop, that may not be allowed in because that's not the same thing as a a cell phone. And I think that's a problem for Bill Cosby's in that deposition. He essentially admitted that it was a common practice for him to get quaaludes and he used that with his sexual partners. And right. that's, so, what the, that's what the exception is to the character that evidence modus, And I think they use the same numbers, like 404. Exactly. And so, because he did the same, because they're alleging that he did the same thing on numerous occasions, yeah. it goes to show that this is a part of how he operates. It's a pattern. A yeah. Right. He, yeah. So, it, th- that I think it will be the pivotal issue is will these other women's stories be allowed in? I think... But a judge still but, might throw that out on the 403. Just and if they're not... It, if they're not let in, I have a feeling that jury is still everyone in America knows the story. So can he get well, a fair court, trial if it's not let in? That's going to be the tough it, part. It will be tough. I think yeah. it will be tough. But uh, at the end of the day, they, the jury will still have to make a decision based upon what they see during the trial, uh, yeah. even if you have outside knowledge. Yeah, you can't bring can that they, knowledge. But can they? Well, you know? they can't talk about it. I have a feeling yeah. that at least two or three of the other women's stories will be let in. The ones yeah. that are very, very similar, perhaps the ones that are closer in time. Uh, I, I think regardless, so I think he's he's going to get whatever maximum penalty is available in this case because I think America has been inundated with this long enough that you're going to go in there and try to be impartial, but for the last, what, year, all you've heard about is Bill Cosby has raped these women. 
Right. And so I think that really impacts upon um, upon jury. So it's going to be interesting to see how they try to vet the jury in a way that is I, I, is fair to Bill Cosby because I do think he does as every person who's ever um, you know on trial they should get a fair one. Right. So right. I mean, even though somebody has heard about all of this in the news, as long as a potential juror can say I am, can still be objective and listen to the evidence of both sides and the things that I've heard will not weigh me, then they can participate in the yeah, jury. I just think it's so hard. I think that's yeah. a difficult thing to do. And then, similarly uh, related to the story, is Camille Cosby trying to fight off her deposition being taken in cases of, in a specific case where seven women have brought a case against right. Bill Cosby for this similar kind of sexual misconduct. And she has asserted her spousal privilege. And so as of today, her deposition was scheduled, and then a judge at the last minute granted a stay, so she's not being deposed today. So let's describe first what is the spousal privilege that she's asserting. Um, well, the privilege to not tes- testify against right. your spouse. So you, um, you have a, a testimonial privilege and you have a communications privilege. And um, under the testimonial privilege, under any legal proceeding, you don't have to testify against your spouse. And I think they're trying to characterize the deposition as that kind of proceeding that would be of that ilk. Well, it is. I mean, clearly, and and I think it's actually a a marital privilege is what they're calling it, what it actually is called. But in in this situation, yeah, it it clearly will prevent her from testifying as to confidential information. And I think the big issue here is whether, and and that's what we were talking about earlier, is whether um, the the testimony can be used in any trial. Excuse me, they can be prevented from testifying in any trial. Or any deposition or any type of hearing. Right. That was the thing that I was not clear about. That for sure I knew about the protection available to spouses to not uh, testify against the other at trial. But I didn't know if it extended to depositions. As far as I'm concerned, it's just like the Fifth Amendment privilege um, uh, about self-incrimination. If you make a statement in a deposition under oath, it can be used against you. So, of course, you in this particular situation, she makes a statement against her husband. It can be used against him in trial. So it should definitely transcend over. And it's important to know it's a privilege that she enjoys. So he, but, he can't keep her from testifying. But it, even questions benign like, um, you know, was he home on this night? That well, That's a communications. Well, that would fall under communications privilege. And Bill Cosby could say that was confidential in our marriage. She can't testify to that. But under testimonial privilege, if she's enjoying the privilege, she can say, I will testify to nothing against my husband. So as much as I would love to hear from Camille Cosby, it sounds like we probably won't be. Yeah. And I mean, even yeah. if she testifies, it will probably be sealed. Yeah, very uh, so I'm not going to make any bets that we're going to hear anything Camille has to say. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that she should be forced to testify, but the judge thought otherwise. And well, I think there's I, a stay I, right now, well, but I he think, initially thought otherwise. I think if they believe that she may have been involved in some of the criminal conduct, um, that may that may speak to why they thought she should be be able to be deposed. Oh, wow, that, wouldn't no. that be a curveball that Camille was the one supplying the drugs or something crazy like I mean, that? Her, but her testimony still would be privileged in that in that case, irrespective of that, because you would have it either under marital privilege or you would have it under your or your own privilege of but you'd have, Fifth she, Amendment. But you would have to claim that. Yeah, she yeah. would just simply assert it. So. All right, so not so much going to happen there, I don't think. But 
I still do think that uh, Lisa Bloom, attorney for Janice Dickinson, will be successful in getting Bill Cosby to yeah. finally sit for his deposition yeah. one day, and hopefully if, in 2016. And if, and if Camille were ever to assert under self-incrimination, that alone would be more damning than the deposition itself, right? Because we'd say, wait a minute, what are you talking about? I would think so, too. All right. This has to be the most annoying story. Um, well, actually, it has a relatively decent ending so far. So you might remember the affluenza kid. Ethan Couch was not even 21 years old. I think he was 16 years old when he was drunk, like three times the legal limit. And he plowed into and killed four people on the side of the road. He was convicted of uh, killing them. But in the sentencing, his parents offered up some big, fancy, expensive uh, psychiatrist or mental health expert that they hired to claim that this kid was so rich and privileged that he was never taught right from wrong. His parents never told him uh, what was right and what was wrong. And so he couldn't be held really accountable. It wasn't fair to him because he just didn't know better. And so the judge bought it and gave him 10 years probation. So uh, apparently a couple of months ago, he was attending a party with alcohol, which is a violation of his probation. And somebody that was at that party took a video of it and posted it to social media and actually tagged the uh, sheriff's department or police department and said, come get him. I got more if you want. Mm -hmm. And when mother, uh, you know, fabulous, his mother, Tanya Couch, uh, and he, I guess, learned of this video's existence and that it was going out there, they threw themselves a going away party and became fugitives when they drove to Mexico and stayed in the beach resort town of uh, yeah. Puerto Vallarta, I believe, yeah. where he enjoyed nights of uh, strip clubs. Uh, I don't even think strip clubs is the correct name because these places made no um, – they weren't shy at all about that they offer, like, sex. Yeah. They give out free condoms. And, and, and actually on one of the nights, he – had run up his tab so high he couldn't pay it. He called his mom, who woke up from her sleep to come bail her son out of this like two thousand dollar bar slash hooker tab at this place. And thankfully, they were found. And uh, he, she, the mother, has been extradited uh, back to the U.S. She was in L.A. Uh, yesterday. She appeared in a California court to say that she wasn't going to fight extradition, so she's going to be sent back home to Texas, I believe it yeah. is. Meanwhile, Ethan Couch still is in Mexico fighting extradition, which, that's weird. I wouldn't think that anybody would want to stay in a Mexican jail, but okay. Uh, what do we think is going to happen here? Um, well, I, mean, I think he'll eventually be extradited, and then he'll get... Um, it's unclear to me how many probation violations... Um, this constitutes. Sounds like 42 to me. Yeah. I mean, if it's just right? the one, he gets 120 days in jail. If it's just one violation. But if there's more than that, um, he's eligible to be to get 10 years per life of yeah. the lives he took. This is part of why this is so annoying. So he was convicted in a juvenile court. Yeah. And so the punishment that he would get for violating his probation and for running away would is not nearly as severe as it is if he would be in adult court. So it would be 120 days. I know that they were trying to move that to adult court just to get him to serve that in an adult prison. But uh, if a, a second violation, 
then you're I mean, kind of up for so the... this is so unbelievably frustrating that he not only violates the probation by being at that party, but then he becomes a fugitive, goes to Mexico. And he's still partying, yeah. He's parties down there. That's what money and, gets you. And then 120 yeah. days? I mean, and that's that, infuriating. And it, I thought affluenza was a ridiculous defense, but seeing how this mom has really enabled her son, you, you start to think maybe he does suffer from this mental defect. Well, actually, I think that that proves otherwise. If he didn't know right from wrong... Yeah. He wouldn't have fled. He wouldn't have thought he did anything wrong by drinking. No, I'm saying by or violating the, or his, his mom probation. Just took him, you know. So it seems like she. Oh, so you think that he can assert that my mom kidnapped me to Mexico? No, no, no. I wouldn't say that. She as advised as, me. No, no. I, yeah, I wouldn't say it as assertion. I'm saying her behavior is indicative to me of the fact that she's been enabling him his entire life, so that he's yeah, never had to saying. pay for anything. Mm-hmm. He, like the fact that the probation violation with drinking at a party, and she felt. We got to flee to Mexico. I'm sorry, privilege is not a disease. Okay, <laughs> that that just sounds like privilege. Period. This, this is really. I, I mean, I I know a lot of people who probably have the same kind of resources that he had. Yeah. We still got to figure out right from wrong. Yeah. Uh, ignorance of the law is, is no excuse, especially one like I, I don't think it was drinking his and idea. killing people. I don't think it was his idea to flee to Mexico after got, getting caught drinking. I think I think that's really I, I don't think it was. Think it was, it was yeah. Yeah. It might have been. Yeah. I I mean, I so wish that we could go back in time and the judge says, all right, Ethan Couch doesn't know right from wrong because his parents never taught him. Now his parents are on the hook for the murder. Well, I'm calling it a murder, but for the killing of of four four people for, like, criminally negligent parenting. And was there any mandatory? Am I too extreme or is this making sense (laughs) to anybody else? Well, I wonder. No, that makes sense. Was there any mandatory counseling, I wonder, when they did that decision? Because obviously the parents are responsible. No, for the parents. Because your parents are responsible for this. No, I don't don't think I didn't hear about anything happening to the parents. But if your child doesn't know right from wrong and kills four people in such an egregious way, and the parents are not held to any account, I think that there's some room for legislation Somebody here. Somebody needs yeah. to be yeah, yeah. held accountable, that's for sure. So she would be charged with a felony, aiding... It's, no, it's a, a hindering... Uh, yeah, was it hindering... A felon. Yeah. Hindering. Yeah. So, which she could face, or she is facing, 10 years yeah. for that. Um, I guess that would be semi-satisfactory oh, wow. that she finally is getting yeah. some consequences for her bad parenting skills uh yeah what a shame all right so let's move on to president obama's executive orders regarding gun control that he announced yesterday in a tearful uh press conference so obviously guns have been a hot issue we have been talking about uh, mass shooting after mass shooting and President Obama just said Congress has not acted at all, and I'm issuing executive orders. So before we get into the orders themselves, there are some people that say, wait a minute, only Congress can create laws. What is the president doing? Is he constitutionally allowed (coughs) to do this? And short answer on that is a yes. Does anybody else here disagree? Of course. He does. And I thought he had a great response, or I don't even think it was a response. Like He knew, President Obama, that that was going to be one of the... Uh, things that people said about this. The, the Second Amendment, he wants to get way, do away with it. He wants to take everyone's guns, but he, he hasn't espoused the idea at all. Right. He said two things very clearly. He said, I was a constitutional law professor. I know a thing or two about what's constitutional or not. And two, I am not here to try and take away everybody's guns. Don't yeah. let them think that I'm trying to 
do that. And when we look at the orders themselves, that's not at all what seems to be happening. And compared to the regulations to kind of the everyday thing where, you know, I protect my cell phone with a fingerprint. Why, why are we not doing these things with I think guns that was now? Brilliant. And so I think he's really trying to push forward um, gun manufacturers and even the gun lobby. And he talked to the NRA directly. He said, you guys should be doing more on this front. It, it's shameful that, you know. He, right. Why can we find our cell phone from anywhere, but we can't find a, a right. stolen gun? Yeah. And I have more codes and locks on my, my phone than I do on a gun that I could own potentially. Right. So. He was talking about how, you know, his, um, you know, a, a child can't even open an iPad yeah. without the right fingerprint or right, right. code. Why can somebody just grab a hold of a gun and, and use it? Uh, there were some more practical things laid out in the orders. Well, he's kind of tr- he's trying to close the gun um, gun show loophole. So, yeah. any anyone in the business of selling guns has to then register as a gun or seller they will be held and document, yeah, right, live. So, I I don't see that this changes the Second Amendment at all. Do you <coughs> no, think that this no, infringes no. upon the Second Amendment? And no, if no. I take a side, I would have to take a side with my personal views of uh, towards the NRA, um, and, and that's just my views. But what I think Obama is so doing wait, is... So wait, just to be clear, because this is a little, like, whoa for us here. <laughs> you actually believe that the NRA has valid points in their opposition to gun yeah, legislation. I think, I think if, you, if, if, if you uphold the Constitution, you would have to believe that they have some valid points, at least. But as far as I'm concerned, um, I'm a firm believer that in most of these cases, if a guy wants blood, if a guy wants to go out and kill someone and take a life, I'm not talking about litter... Or, or, you know, commit a traffic infraction. I'm talking about someone has committed in their mind to take a life. They're not going to be stopped by a mere gun law, period. They're going to go to the black market. They're going to go wherever they have to go, and they're going to find that gun and do what they want to do. We're not talking about, like I say, somebody who just wants to litter so, or those type of crimes. Well, I mean, he said in the uh, press conference, we're not going to be able to stop all of them. But right. even if we could just stop one, if it makes it harder and somebody trips up. And I think it deters at least one person. And that's, yeah. why, and that's why I like what Obama's doing, because you get a lot of people who take the, uh, the opposing side of the NRA, they want to do away with guns completely. And oh, he yeah. made it a point that that's not what he's doing. Yeah. What he's actually doing is things that I completely and wholeheartedly agree with. We need to have locks on guns. It's, that that are not just the old locks that we used to have. I own a, I own a weapon myself, and the the locks that they have on those guns they're just inadequate. You can easily just it should be with a fingerprint. You should be able to find that gun. You want to make sure because a lot of people obviously you get a lot of guns that come in this country on a black market through however they get here. But sometimes people steal guns, right? You erase the numbers on the gun, and what happens? Now you can't identify it. Yeah. And now it's but if you stole market. my cell phone, you couldn't exactly. use it. We exactly. could have the same technology exactly. on guns. Exactly. I think, yeah, I think that right. was his point. So. We can beef up the technology. That's and I sure. also thought it was interesting that he, in advance of what I'm sure some people were going to say, he does want to put some emphasis and resources towards mental health, right. which he mentioned. He's like, there's this thing, you know, called the... Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, that includes mental health as part of every health plan. So it seems pretty well-rounded, and it seems pretty aimed yeah. at that well-regulated militia And more extensive part of background the checks, too. And, yeah. And yeah. so I think they beefed up the number of people that they have doing background checks, and they're, they're trying to move towards an automated system. more expeditious. Yeah. 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 So t- this, to me, is pretty non-controversial. Yeah. It's just, it, yeah. It's just a hot-button issue. You hear gun control, and all of a sudden everyone, you know, raises the alarms rather than going, maybe we do need some control. What can we do practically? 
practically to make sure everyone's safe. And I think it's because of the fear that most people, their most people approach is to do away with, with guns, guns yeah. and not do what Obama's actually trying to do. I think probably the majority of people that are fearful of it are people that don't even own guns. But, yeah. <laughs> All righty. So now we want to get into some of the new laws that went into effect uh, 1-1-16. And I think it's kind of cool today. Today is 1616. Uh, and we're talking about California laws. And I know that there are lots of viewers and listeners that are not in California. But California laws are always interesting to look at because they tend to set the tone or the trend for laws that will uh, be implemented in other states across the country. So let's go through them. some of them. The first one that's interesting is an extension of the Fourth Amendment Um that law enforcement agencies must obtain a search warrant before looking at private emails, text messages, and GPS data stored in smartphones, laptops, and the cloud. Was this a no-brainer? This is a yeah. no-brainer. It should have been this way. When we get this type of technology, we need to have these types yeah, of law that follow suit right away. Right, yeah. So yeah. this would probably be very safe to assume that this is going to be the law of the land all across the country pretty soon if it's not. Yeah. I would hope so. Alrighty, recording piracy and insurance fraud are added to the list of crimes for which an offender's assets can be seized by law enforcement officials. I think if you commit insurance fraud, yeah, but we, piracy. Yeah. Um, I agree with you on the insurance fraud. I'm not sure about the piracy though. All righty. Police officers or family members may seek a restraining order that bars a person deemed dangerous from possessing firearms for 21 days. I mean, the problem with that initially, and I think maybe we probably need to read a little deeper into it, but initially how it sounds, you know, I can just make an accusation uh, about a family member and they're hindered at that For point. 21 days. Yeah. I mean, what's the ground? What's the basis? Well, yeah, who's, what's deeming, the... who's deeming them dangerous? But right. I, I'm going to think that this was probably in response to maybe um, trials. You know, There I are a lot in, yeah. of situations where, where women who are abused by a lover, former lover, get a restraining out or against that person, and that person shows up with a gun anyway and kills them. There are, way, there are a lot of situations, and I believe that this was aimed to well, I think this combat is, that. It's just police officers, right? Or family members. Or man. family members. Of the police officers. It's any... <laughs> right? Of the, of the police officer. No, it was just a, a police officer or family members. Of the police officer. I don't, I don't think so. Well, then who would the family members be of, would, of somebody? So if I, if you thought I was dangerous and yeah, I'm your spouse. sister, uh, you can go to the police and say my sister is okay. wacko, crazy, and then if you're, I'm deemed dangerous, then right. my gun can be taken right. away. I mean, which makes sense so. because though a lot of times these may be the people who can actually tip us off before what someone does something erratic yeah. um, with a weapon. And so it, it kind of makes sense to that extent. But, again, what you're talking about, you, you're keeping them from – uh, a, a, a right in the Constitution to bear arms for 21 days. Um, I think you got a bigger issue there. Well, maybe that'll get taken up to Supreme Court. That would be interesting. All right. Prosecutors are allowed to seek forfeiture of the images and storage devices used in revenge porn cases. So that's really interesting that up to this point you could get prosecuted for it, but they could never get the images yeah. back. Now they can. I like this, even though I'm still not going to be sending out nude pictures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Law enforcement agencies. Oh, that immigration one. Oh, I don't think that one's so uh, groundbreaking. Let's skip that one. 
Uh, law enforcement agencies must by 2018 develop systems that would allow them to collect and report data on the people they stop, including perceived race and ethnicity, the reason for the encounter, and the outcome. And this, to me, makes me feel like I'm living in the 1800s. Like, why is this not here already? So we've got to wait a couple more years, but it's definitely a good law. It's definitely something that, again, it, it should have been like, implemented. <laughs> I mean, I did a research. Um, in fact, my first appearance here on, on this show was uh, based on a paper that I wrote that was called Colorblind Laws. And I did, in the process of doing the research, I was looking for anything that I could find that would show statistics on what police kept, and it was yeah. almost impossible to find. Yeah. I found one article that was not conducted by the police. It was an outside yeah. party who actually did some resources, or excuse me, did some research to generate the data. I mean, but, this seems like a small, silly, simple thing, but only when you know exactly where you are right now can you hope for any change, improvement, alteration right. in the future. So similar to that, police agencies must use detailed annual reports on all cases in which officers use force that results in serious injury or death. Another no-brainer? Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, law enforcement department whose officers wear cameras will have to follow rules on storing and using the video so it's not mishandled. Again, another how is this not part of the <laughs> protocol already. Right. I wish it addressed the release of the videos to the public, but the law does not. Um, collecting DNA samples from suspected criminals but can't do it from non-serious felonies such as non-violent drug crimes. I think this is just one more way we're trying to combat the mass incarceration. Right. Completely agree. Um, anyway, I don't see listed here. Did we have... We had one where... How about the state will increase compensation for innocent people who are wrongly convicted from $100 each day behind bars to $140 to for reflect for, inflation? Yeah, I, I don't know where they caught that figure <laughs> that said your your life that I've taken away from you... Is only, only worth $140, $140 a day? We'll add yeah. 40 to it Yeah, for inflation. Uh, let's see here. Children and 13 and younger who are witnesses in violent crimes may testify by remote video hookup. That's probably a good idea. Statute of limitations for civil lawsuits by victims of human rights abuses in California is extended from 5 to 10 years. I think this is uh, a part of a trend that is going to extend the statute of limitations yeah. in, in a lot of cases. In a lot of cases, right. I agree. All right. Local governments can set up installment plans for people to partially pay parking tickets if they cannot pay their fines all at once. I think that, that's a great revenue revenue thing for L.A. because I think a lot more people pay tickets if they can pay in smaller amounts. Yeah. And also there was a law that extended that amnesty program that we talked about on this show. Very specific dates, but if you have an unpaid ticket, look into that. Doctors will be allowed to prescribe lethal doses of drugs to terminally ill patients. And I think we covered this before, and the law requires also that the patient be able to administer the drug themselves, like they have to be able to swallow it. So, And I think, I mean, because there were a lot of cases where, um, you know, someone was terminally ill, and essentially, you know, the family and the individual, obviously if they're conscious at, at that point, you know, they would... Spare, spare the pain, you know, spare the suffering, and, you know, and allow them to kind of go quickly. And I think that this definitely assists that for sure. I mean, We're, this is a huge change in position from where we've been on right. euthanasia. Do we have a new law regarding police officer shootings and grand jury? Yeah, so that's That SB. was in the summer. Yeah, okay. it was over the summer. Um, but, I mean, obviously through the course of 2015. 
Right. I thought it was huge, actually. Right. So that was a law that said that no longer will we be using grand juries in police shooting cases. Right. Okay. And when did and that go into pro- effect? Is that now into effect yes. now? I believe okay. so, yes. And, and so instead of using grand jury, it goes to the prosecutor. I think the problem with that, though, is that... Um, the police and the prosecutors are way close. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean... I mean so at least it brings it out of the shadows, because that was the problem with grand juries, is that it's all in secret, so mm-hmm. none of us got to know what, what happened. Uh, so, yeah, I know this raises a different issue, but I don't know. We'll see how this plays I out. I don't think no. it'll do much, honestly. And finally, vaccination law eliminate eliminates the ability of parents to waive immunization rules for their children based on personal beliefs. This one was a huge, hot topic issue. Man, this one makes the decision of becoming a parenting pretty tough, but I I think it's a big deal for a lot of people. This is really a big deal, and I have friends and family members who have younger, who have children, and and don't believe in getting vaccinations for a number of reasons. And I I know we talked about before on here, everybody's eyes kind of went up when I talked about Bill Gates' statement on how we're going to reduce populations using vaccinations. I still don't believe that, but <laughs> well, that's I mean, all right. Well, I mean, this is one of the <laughs> most powerful men in the world. You don't have to believe, but one of, one of the most powerful men in the world makes a statement like that. I think, I think he meant it. that when you use vaccinations and fewer children die, parents will then have fewer children, and that brings down the population. You, know, you should definitely listen to me. All right, I will. Shaka, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, I mean, I think this is insane that you can't exempt your own child from a vaccination. So I guess you have to homeschool, I guess. No, that's, I what, mean, that's what they're going to result to. And and quite frankly, maybe homeschooling is better with the way our education system is here. <laughs> right, <laughs> so, may not be such a bad thing. Yeah. All right, well, thank you so much for joining us on our first show in 2016. Thank you, BJ and Shaka, for thank your you. thoughts and opinions. Reach out to us. Let us know what you think. What did we get right? What did we get wrong? And what would you like us to cover? You can reach me at Chelsea Galicia. BJ at just BJ Abron. And at Shaka Strong. See you guys next time. Thanks for joining us. From producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.